ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get done for eSports! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of Nerf This, the esports show that is oh so fucking ready for the holidays. I am your host, Brian Huff, and I am joined, as I always am, by Seven. Hello, sir. Uh, howdy. Yes, ready for holidays, ready for a nap. This is this was like a crazy weekend of, of games, so much so that I think we decided that uh, we can no longer do a Monday drop show. We need to push it to Tuesdays. Maybe we should talk about that. A little bit because there was uh more <sighs> a lot more more esport and goodness than we could handle. I was not down for esport. I thought I was down for esport this week, and I'm totally <laughs> not down. We I think we jinxed ourselves because we came out of BlizzCon and we're like, it's the off season. It's time for a break, and it has been event after event after event. And we should know better by now, but we completely forgot about the offseason in League of Legends, which was also amplified by the fact that they were churning four whole teams over. So there was all that drama to talk mm-hmm. about. And yeah. yeah, so there's a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about aforementioned NALCS roster drama, as well as Jules Scott's going to come back and join us to talk about the HGC roster drama. We got a little bit on the E-League Rocket League Cup that is uh, was announced uh, last week, and we did not get a chance to talk about it. CSGO at IEM Oakland. Kevin Hitt is joining us to talk about some E-League Boston Major. We had the Red Bull Battlegrounds for the last event for the Capcom Pro Tour. You talked to the E-League Injustice 2 World Champion Dragon. And that's not even everything we're talking about today. <laughs> no, it's not. That's scary. That's, I mean, it's just a, uh, it's a show that is completely packed. With, I, uh, I tired with myself goodness. out with that intro. Yeah, I'm just, I'm I... I, I thought it was already time to start watching esports again on the weekend. <laughs> well, you need to start now if you're going to watch it all. But first, first, most importantly, we need to have a drink. Oh, yeah. More so this week than normal. Would you like to go first? <laughs> yeah, so I picked up uh, Jubilee from Deschutes Brewing. Uh, it's a winter or festive winter ale. It's, a, it's an ale with some winter warmer stuff. Yeah, ABV six point seven percent. Winter it's warmers okay. like they like mashed up some like mittens and put them in there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, it's I think it's it's uh, I don't know what's in it. Like it's it's Winter weird warmers. tasting. Um, no, <laughs> Is, does it taste? I, does it taste it, like a campfire? It's like a, I was trying to come up with something witty in terms of what they threw in there, uh, like Santa Claus tears or something, but it's not really it. Uh, I don't know hundred uh, percent what all is in it spice wise um probably some nutmeg kind of stuff it's I, I feel like I struggled since I've been on the west coast for this last better part of a decade that uh, I can't find a good winter beer like I could back in the Ohio days 
when they had well because they have snow and they really know what it means to need to have a beer like warm me up (laughs) winter is yeah yes winter isn't just like it's rains more (laughs) yeah exactly it's like it is like five degrees colder and we have to bust out like all our snow gear because it rains a little more which is what they do here in portland (laughs) like i'm walking around it's like 55 and raining and i'm just like yeah i'll throw a windbreaker on so my t-shirt doesn't get wet and i'm looking around and people are like parkas and like earmuffs and all sorts of crazy crap they're just they don't understand they really don't bunch of wusses um i am drinking so i try to think like what would be the most trolly thing that i could drink right i was like there has to be something trolly that i could drink that would still be festive that is just like super cliche so i went to a company that i love which is seattle cider company every time i'm up there in seattle i make sure it's it's like a go-to right i make sure that i always have that fallback if i can find nothing else in the cider department unfortunately they make a very trolly flavor in pumpkin spice because you know you gotta have you've got to have the pumpkin spice so i'm having their winter limited edition pumpkin spice cider i'm not gonna lie i had that last week so (laughs) it's good stuff it actually is not bad yeah, it's one of yeah, it's one of my favorites for them. Uh, it's, it's not. Remember the pumpkin beer we had many many years back that like pumpkin. yes, that was like they literally stuffed like fifty whole pumpkins into the bottle and it was disgusting. Oh, yeah, well, it wasn't the pumpkins. It was like fifty pounds of clove per one pumpkin, <laughs> and it was awful. Do you want to know what's great? Uh, the other day, I made the mistake of buying that again, thinking that was the, the one of the good ones that we had. Uh, it was not one of the good ones. It's awful. It was like it was uh, made from like yeah. a 1990s goth chick who just like took her excess clothes smoking and shoved it into a bottle. Yeah, I, I think. I feel like we just touched on some weird... <laughs> There's some, some weird history there for me. Yeah, this I is, dated uh, a goth this chick show. in high school. She smoked clothes. I don't want to talk about it. My therapist is still working on that with me. The show has gone off the rails. Uh, we've, we've talked about weather and uh, everything else that's awful in life. It's esports Moving time. On. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. Let's talk a little PUBG. So IEM showcased two major games this year. One, of course, being Counter-Strike, which we'll get to later in the show. But this was the first big... Uh, I may say the first, but one of the major tests for PUBG as an esport was a two-day mm-hmm. invitational tournament that included both invitees and open qualifiers and took place over eight rounds, I believe it was, Yeah, um, with, yeah. quite frankly, a scoring system that I had to look up at least 10 different times while watching the tournament so I could keep track, because it was very opaque at times, so trying to keep track of who was actually winning from a tournament perspective was like a whole separate chore from who was winning on a round perspective. Yeah, it was a little different because first, second, I think third place got a static amount of points, uh, and then you also got about, I think it was like 10 points per kill, if that, if I'm correct. So, uh, for instance, um, in the final standings, you know, Tempo Storm ended up second place, but never actually won any of those eight rounds where yeah. Digital Chaos, who won two of the eight, the only team to actually win two of them, came in fifth. So, it, again, the solid performances from uh, Tempo Storm each and every round can equate to the basically landing in, like, second place every single time. Uh, and that's where it uh, the scoring system feels a little wonky because at you know, end of day one, we had TSM, top of the charts, first place. Going into the eighth round, they were, I think, third or fourth. The difference between, like, third, fourth, or second, third, and fourth was, like, five points. It it was, like, ten points spread between all of them. So it was, like, one kill difference. Uh, But uh, TSM, I think they got, like, maybe, like, a a top 
I don't know, like top third, top quarter uh, finish <laughs> in that one. I think like like they, right. they get ninth out of uh, twenty teams or something, or even like sixth or something. Uh, and they ended up sixth on on, on the uh, the final. So their their ending performance number or the ranking really wasn't definitive of, of what they did all weekend, which is kind of strange. But if anything, it made the last round exciting because you had no idea what was going on. You had <laughs> Who's no idea win? how it was going to be scored. And you're just like, uh, okay, we figure whoever's at the end may just win it. Uh, it was it, it was good, though. I really enjoyed everything that I watched. It was... Watch. Yeah. It was... So I have some feels here, some pretty strong feels. Now, th- mm-hmm. I want to be clear here. This is not H1Z1 levels of catastrophe. I'm not going to go down that road. There's not hot pants involved. We're not super worked up about the presentation. But here's what I will say. It is not ready for prime time from a broadcast standpoint. The amount of times that the casters were forced to describe something they couldn't show you or were literally talking through their commentary to the observers to try to get something on the screen, sometimes as basic as getting the mini map on the screen, and it's sometimes taking minutes of delay or us just never seeing that piece of action. There were times that we were stuck on this weird, like, I think it was in, like, round four especially. They were, like, in this weird, awkward four shot of phase literally doing nothing but being huddled in this like shed while they're like oh my god this is cloud nine's doing this and tsm snuck up and did that and they're like begging and pleading with somebody to please switch to something more exciting than the four phase clan members just like picking their noses and taking a drink break <laughs> and it, it was yeah. there was a lot of that and it made it frustrating and some of the gruff uh, quite honestly misplaced fell onto the casters when i feel like they were trying as hard as they could to do their job it just is not ready i heard a lot of rumors and and talk about how the observers were experiencing a lot of lag and sometimes they would not see something on their end until maybe a minute or two after it happened in the game and it just made it very hard to follow it in real time but overall i do feel like from a observer experience, from a production experience, it definitely suffered and, and is not quite ready for prime time. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of things you touched on there which are correct, and, and some of my I am somewhat forgiving um, because of where the game is essentially in the stage of development. So, uh, multiple times uh, you would see the the lag portions. I mean, sometimes it was the equivalent uh, from a frame rate standpoint uh, as watching like a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> there was just like uh, I think he's turning. I don't know because it was like chop, chop, chop. Uh, and also, it's the same thing. I, I've experienced it playing, especially if you um, observe someone on your team after the fact, is it, when they're shooting, it doesn't always look like they're shooting on target because there's this weird delay with their aiming kind of thing. Right. Uh, and so they, they fire and you're, they're hitting them and you're like, he was, how was he leading him? It's like not even correct. Oh, I and saw so one of those came... where there was like a drive by and he would literally yeah. on the screen look like he was shooting behind the guy. Like you saw the blast mm-hmm. behind the guy, but the guy was taking damage all the way. And it was one, yeah. again, one of those just like lag things. Yeah. And, and so there's a lot of that. And you're, you're very much correct in the sense of they had to make a lot of call outs like, hey, can we get this on screen? Can we get this on screen? And they were, they were kind of being subtle on it day one, day two. It was just kind of like, Flat out, like it was like if we could get this on the screen, yada yada yada. And so they they quit being uh, nice, <laughs> nice about, about it. It, it yeah. felt like, but it's it, it, knowing that the observers were uh, you know having lag or were behind. Uh, I, I totally get it. And yes, they 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 sat on some dumb shots while there was a ton of stuff happening. 
Um, I liken the, but okay. So I, I like the event, but I also liken it to watching Voltron as like a kid or Thundercats as a kid because your mind made up the differences of what was actually going on. <laughs> I thought you were like, going to say it was actually worse than we remember it being. No, no, no. Well, it is. It is worse than we remember it being because when you go back and watch, you're like, wow, that, that didn't really happen the way I remember it happening <laughs> because your mind filled on in the blanks. And that's what you had to do with a lot of it. Great. So when the casters are explaining that and all you have is like an overhead view of a bunch of like circles and dots, it's like old school, like swords and sorcery kind of thing. And just people pointing at each other like lines and stuff. My favorite like, part like, is oh, like gosh. the line shooting across the screen, like some <laughs> yeah. like Atari game. Like that's that's yeah. how I imagine PUBG is now this like game of defenders. <laughs> yeah and, and it was like that i mean but at the same point in time it's like it was really exhilarating when they actually got down to like the last few because there was less people to watch less uh things to kind of control and you had a much smaller area to observe from yep. from and, and i think that was what um kind of would, would drag it back from just being a hot mess now i you have to give props to the whole esl production crew and i i, I because it was not easy this is like you said one of the biggest of events that have, have gone on so far uh, their setup was just absurd. <laughs> like, did you see like all the piles of computers and people? It, like, it looked like a of... weird like '80s like Quake Land convention because they were just like these yeah. folding tables with like a drape over them, and then they're just like had these like partitioning dividers from like a Salesforce conference. It was a very strange <laughs> setup. But it, it was. But at the same point in time, you just realize like, like how far and few between these land events are going to be because it takes you know in this case. It was 80 people. So there's at least 80 PCs uh, just to have one round. And right. That's All way going more. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's way more than like DreamHack does at like Hearthstone, which is just two guys at like a pub table playing there across from each other without like, a backdrop. So the, the setup is way more intensive. Uh, and, and the game's not really ready. And I think there's a lot of tools that could help out, um, especially from a, a standpoint of giving the 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 casters the ability to kind of switch some of the actions even just views even if it's a switch between this group and this group um uh, like certain specific cameras on people that would be great i know it's hard to do as, as why you cast it um but if there was something that kind of popped up and it's like these two people are are, ta- are firing or they're within that point of view or even just zooming into certain areas of the map and giving like a full-on overview like a yep Kind of like what you got near the end, right? Because at the end, you got, when they were close enough, you got this nice overhead view showing positioning and like, he's in this building, he's around this corner. Like, if we could get, there's enough time. I think one of the beauties of Battle, of Player Knows Battlegrounds that we should see more of is there is that time, even more so than you get in Counter Strike, to really talk about strategy. And to be fair, I give them a lot of props because. PUBG gets a lot of gruff for being slow at the beginning, right? It, it is it's slow, and but the casters found a way to make it interesting. They talked a lot about strategy. They talked a lot about placement on the map and and how they were going about it. TSM was doing this interesting move where they were just like tanking their way through the first couple of circles, and they're like, "Oh, we're just going to stay up north, and you know, we're going to try to stay on the edge. We're not going to really move into the." zone until we feel like we have to and they did a good job highlighting things like that so it kept it interesting and didn't feel like 
you know, five minutes of action and 40 minutes of nothing. They did a very good job from that standpoint. But like you said, I'd like to see them do more of that. Some picture in picture stuff, some like callaways, like just like find some interesting stuff highlighting on the map. And even if it, even if you're like going back a couple minutes in time, you can get away with that early in the game, right? Where you can go back and say, oh, here's this cool little thing that happened over here that you may have missed. Like you have plenty of opportunity to do that kind of thing that you wouldn't necessarily get to do Mm -hmm. in some other faster moving esport with a shorter round time. Right, and on, and on top of that, you also had uh, instances of, of just where they wanted to call up uh, the map to, so you could just show where people were uh, for overall, right? And, and yep. even Overwatch has done this thing, which is uh, you know having a map where you can just see where people are overall and, and where they're pointing. And, and, yep. and so just giving them the ability to kind of switch between that and whatever the current observer feed is, then it's good, and I think that, that that will solve a lot of problems, right? So they could yeah. talk about the strategy of where people are moving, like who's in Georgia Pole, who's who's doing, um, who's going to Pachinki, and all this different stuff, right? So you can you can call out like uh, the overhead map and explain some of the strategy, like TSM. You were you talked about was <laughs> just always kind of going way up to the northwest uh, every time, kind of just didn't care about the blue, would kind of stroll in late. Uh, and kind of play on the edges of the blue the entire time. And so, but it, it, it was cool because we started seeing those strats when they started showing the overheads. And it was kind of early on, you see all these groups go to these areas where they just kind of claimed there wasn't a whole lot of uh, fighting for, for areas. And, and yep. so you learned a lot of cool strats out of it. You learned um, kind of how sh- things are shaping up in terms of just uh, just team play at that competitive level. And it was super fast paced. Like you watch any game that is just, uh, you know, like one player's like from a, a streamer's advantage. And it, it's a little slow, but it kind of picks up and gets a little crazy towards the end. But it was like crazy the entire time. Yep. And if you look at it from an observer and production standpoint, it's the equivalent to having eight CSGO matches going at, at simultaneously. Yes, yes. And this is no easy feat. hard as hell. Yeah, this yeah. is no easy feat. And there was a lot of cool stuff. I think round probably round four was my favorite round to watch because there's all sorts of cool stuff going on with the aforementioned TSM strategy. Ninjas in pajamas like hitting the jackpot by like setting up in a compound early in the match that just ended up being like the center <laughs> yeah. of the circle for the entire match. But all sorts of great stuff going on. They did a lot of good jobs when they could get the overhead head map up on camera and show like how the transitioning would happen as the play area got smaller and smaller and the amount of areas to set up shop got lesser and lesser and when it forced people to have to try to go in and engage to take a safe area. A lot of cool stuff there. I, I think it has a ton of potential. I think the scoring system needs to be more obvious. They need some sort of like better on-screen assets as the game and the round is going on for you to understand the implications of what is happening. I think I would liken it to the economy in CSGO, where if you're not paying attention and the casters aren't doing a good job, the economy portion of Counter-Strike for a casual observer can be a little opaque. And I think we're seeing that with the scoring system that they're choosing to use right now in PUBG, but I think that can be fixed. And I think... It's not an easy problem to solve. Like you said, this is a massive undertaking, just the sheer amount of people that it takes. And they were doing this live. This is not an H1Z1 situation where they had all this time to pre-produce it and still screwed it up. But like, if you're going to put something on this on, like this on, you're going to need a crap ton of observers and you need a better system and better tools to make up for the fact that you just have to follow so many people. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, It was a huge undertaking. I, I felt the need to just kind of like tweet at ESL and be like, Bravo, I know that was a hard-ass weekend to run through. It, it's incredibly difficult. 
Uh, and the, really the only precedent that's set is from CSGO and how many years of CSGO we have. And now you've got your first tournament and everybody expects like CSGO level of production. That'd be perfect. And it's, and it's not even there. I mean, Overwatch suffers from the same thing, uh, but is it in all likelihood? Oh, well, it is flat out a lot easier to to observe and as much crap as we give it because it's happening on a map that is uh, like one two hundredths of the size. Yes. And with uh, quite a few less people. And you only have to cover what, like 10, 15 minutes at most, like depending on how competitive a match it is at a time. Yeah. Like, so yeah. pretty big undertaking. Um, we didn't mention, we should mention, it actually ends up getting won by an open qualifier, which was AAA mm-hmm. against all authority. They take home the 60K grand prize. So a cool little story to pop out of that. Um, I don't know if you would have been able to infer that they were favorites or winning or losing until you got to the end regardless. Um, but overall, I think it was it was a good major outing for PUBG. I think it's got a long way to go. I think they have some lessons to learn here. But overall, like I was fairly well entertained. I think it did much better mm-hmm. than most of us expected it was going to do. Yeah, it, it, I thought it was it was great, and I think uh, even though it was an open qualifier team that did win it, uh, really a lot of I think for everybody this was like their first actual land, so they've been playing a lot of it online, uh, and so online you've got all these different variables like who maybe people have better computers, better connections, yada yada yada, but now they leveled the playing field hardware wise and ping wise, uh, and, and you saw a lot of teams kind of who were really, really hot, like FaZe, uh, for for the most part, was just non-existent yep. uh, day one, right? And then day two kind of come back, and somehow they end up above TSM, who was basically above them the entire time until like the last the last round. So again, scoring makes no sense. Um, but I, I, I really, really, really did enjoy it. I am um, a huge TSM fan on this one. Uh, so no allegiances to, to Cloud9 here. Clearly not. TSM all the way. Fairweather front. Uh, I've been following Break and Smack for ages, so yeah, those guys are are my favorite. I don't care where wherever they go, that's my team. So yeah, hopefully they'll go to Cloud Nine, so you won't look like such a schmuck. <laughs> well, come on, man! I, I've been following uh, Break slash Gaz, whatever his name's Gaz. I've been following him since he had like thirty two people watching him on stream. So and you, then I used you're to, one of those people. You're a hipster. You're an esports hipster. Yeah, I I knew break before break was actually cool. Uh, no, uh, and then like smack. Uh, you know, I was even something to smack when he was doing like late night, midnight runs, like the midnight Daisy TV crew or whatever you would call it. <laughs> like there was like three or four of them, and he was still working at a hospital. Like just those guys have been old school Daisy, uh, Daisy mod days, Daisy. You know, the actual standalone, a lot of the Arma mods for. Uh, battle royale like that it's just yeah i uh, my favorites I'm, I'm so happy and i think we we talked about like tsm going in early and picking up these uh these guys who would were the, the bigger streamers and they're yep. very very like this uh you know they, they were well known in the community and they made a team out of them and generally speaking they did well they did well yeah <laughs> i mean it, really, it's, really a, it's well. a weird scoring system but if you just look consistently if you watch the matches they were in it every time. Just sometimes you'd get screwed by like weird things, right? Like yeah. if you didn't get the last shot on somebody and they ended up like dying to the blue, like that's yeah. what happens, and well, then you lose a point that way. And it's it's a weird and, system. And I think I think their strategy uh, worked against them in some ways. Their, their strategy to kind of come in late and play cleanup, and then have higher uh, you know rankings within like, you know the top three each round versus uh, more kills is yep. what kind of uh, hurt them but again the difference between sixth place 
and even like the the team before them was one well it's actually two kills yeah two kills and so, all that is is like one missed shot because a lot of their fights near the end because of the strategy that they played were always near the edge and if yeah. they just weren't if they didn't get the kill quick enough and the edge took them out like well and 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 like 10 kills if they got 10 kills over two days eight rounds they would actually end up being second like that's it that's like literally one round of play can be 10 kills just spread that out one more kill per round almost yeah. and they would have easily been third they're gonna just, have it, to they're gonna have to tweak that scoring system i think like yeah, i think yeah, it's because, not representative of who is the best players yeah and just one more time to you know, talk about it like even the cast was like well we think anybody up to eighth place could technically win <laughs> <laughs> okay so then why well. are we, yeah they're like first they're like, up to seventh can do it and then now we think it's actually eighth it, let so, me get out my abacus it, it kept it it kept it exciting, um, but sure, I, yeah. AAA <laughs> runs away with it. Yes. Moving on, I want to make a quick note because we didn't get a chance to talk about this yet. But E League announced the next E League event, which is going to be the Rocket League Cup. This is an invitational tournament involving eight organizations that will all be invited by E League. This is another weird one where it's not going to be broadcast on TBS in the traditional manner. This is going to be more what we saw them kind of do with Dota, except there will be an actual tournament. That tournament will take place the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of December. That will be on Twitch and YouTube Gaming. And then we will get like a behind-the-scenes documentary about the teams involved with the Rocket League Cup on the 1st, 8th, and 15th, all at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on TBS. So them kind of like doing the actual competition off television, but doing some documentary-style programming um, on television. Going to be interesting. I, it's, I think the one thing that kind of just blows my mind is nobody outside of the RLCS has actually... like. I wonder if they're doing this on purpose, but there has no, been nobody to come in and just take Rocket League as we know it, as we believe it to be good, and just hold a higher-profile tournament. Like, yeah. why is it, is this not allowed? Because it seems like a no fucking brainer at this point to me. Like, if E-League could have just come in, taken the best of eight, done this soccer-style format that they're going for on bloody television in three versus three instead of mm-hmm. the BS two versus two that we saw in that NBC Universal tournament that <laughs> yeah, they ran. I was, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be glorious. But instead, mm-hmm. like, sorry, E-League, but, like, this is fine and great, but and then we're going to, like, show some documentary crap. And, and, like, they do good work. The Dota stuff was awesome. And I get that. But, like, I don't know. It just it feels like there's got to be something. Probably the same person that refuses to answer our emails at Psionics is also the person in charge of deciding whether or not these things get approved for real events because <laughs> right now it just doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah, I was talking to uh, someone in a coffee shop uh, a couple hours ago and mentioned... You Is this know, like our IHOP guy? Too. Yeah, yeah, I got a source. Uh, uh, but anyways, he was talking about uh, Rocket League, and that's like his game. And I was explaining like how... Uh, how easy it is to watch, how easy it is to pick up. I think it's like one of the most relatable esports games out there. And I just want to see somebody do or give it a decent amount of service to the, the on TV, right? Because I think yep. it's something that anybody could pick up and be like, well, that's actually really cool because it's, it, while it's easy to understand, it has such a high skill ceiling. And he was telling me about like, yeah, it's nuts. He's put like 1600 hours in it and he still feels like he's awful. And I was like, great. Uh, I know I'm like the worst then. Uh, So (laughs) I I think you're you're right. If we could just get a decent tournament uh, and and have that happen over the course of a couple of weekends or a couple of shows, that's 
great. This yep. kind of format, I mean, I trust E-League to, to do it well. It's an interesting move on their part because they can go ahead and do a lot of the upfront production and span it over three weeks right. versus having three weeks of bringing an entire crew and doing it live. And, and I I like that format if it's done right. And I, I, I have, They'll I do believe, it great. I just wish, I like, what, what's the hesitation to put the actual competition front and center? Like, why can't we have both? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm assuming you probably will in, in a large portion of it. Um, I, yeah. It just, it's weird that you, you, there's this need to kind of give it a narrative as well. Um, it, but it, it sounds like this is just a, trying something different. And For sure. I, I believe in trying something different because this may be way cooler than sitting and watching it in a bar. But I think it just, it, it, this is the one of those games I think that doesn't need it. <laughs> Give Rocket <laughs> right? League a chance. It, well, no, I mean it doesn't need a, a doesn't narrative need, or something no. to drive it. Right. This it, isn't it's Dota there. where it's, it's so like easy to understand. Dota, like this thing, they, the stuff they did around the international is great because it was one of those scenarios where it's like, explain why the hell I'm going to sit down and spend literally like all my waking hours watching this tournament. And they did a good job of driving that narrative. There's history there mm-hmm. to drive that narrative. This is like, we're already going to know the results by the time the 8th and the 15th episode roll around. There's going to be no, they're not, it's not like an H1Z1 NDA type situation. Like this is going to, I can go watch it on Twitch and see what happens and I'll know the results and then I'll watch some like stylized ESPN-esque duck behind the scenes documentary yeah. style for, for it, which is okay. But, like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but is this a is is this and it feels like this is more of a play to separate the two audiences? Oh, right? for sure. I mean, th- this is what you see. Uh, not to draw too. This is interesting because they actually work with WWE. But WWE will do this a lot, right? Where you'll, they'll have a pay per view. Hardcore wrestling fans like myself will watch it, and then they'll do what they call like WWE three sixty five or WWE twenty four, which is like those ESPN sixty behind the scenes kind of things that they put out on YouTube after to kind of humanize it for. You know, Just people oiling people up. Yeah, yeah, totes. Like, there's, they're like spraying their hair down so it's all wet and not frizzy when you're in there body slamming dudes. Like, you know, you gotta. It's all about the lock game. Your your hair just gotta be on point when you're body slamming. You know, oiled up dudes. Yeah, I flippy guess, shit. I, yeah, flippy shit. Flippy shit. Go. Yeah. So that's gonna be coming up Friday, December first, second, and third on Twitch, starting at two p.m. Eastern, and the docu series we'll call it documentary series, whatever it is. Uh, December first, December eighth, and December fifteenth, all Fridays, ten p.m. Eastern Pacific on TBS. Moving along, we're now going to be joined by Jules Scott, who's going to talk to us a little bit about the HGC roster apocalypse that has been going on that's so intense that they get their own, like, League of Legends-style super thread on Reddit. And we are now joined once again by my favorite HGC correspondent, Convert to Raids, Jules Scott. Jules, welcome back to the show. Hi again. Thank you so much for bringing me back. It was such a great time last week, and... uh... I'm super stoked about what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Uh, the HGC is not immune to roster apocalypse, and as you pointed out, has become quite the hobby of some Redditors to uh, predict and follow this particular phenomenon. But uh, it's, So there's two things going on. One, there's just like this amazing mega thread, and we'll link this out on Twitter with the show, that is doing a ridiculous job of just like basically stalking all the HGC players to make sure that they, if they slip up, we know about it. But more importantly, this other strange leaked thread that has correctly predicted so far all the roster moves and the order in which they're being announced, which is like very reminiscent of the leaked thread that has predicted all the heroes and the order that they will be announced. So this is this is kind of weird. 
this is all like a beard stroking moment right here because you're thinking about it and saying, I'll do it where for is you. this information? There you go. <laughs> He's doing it for us on, on video, you guys. It is very, very uh, head scratching to say the least. Um, but what's been really cool to see is that there is someone who's actually dedicated to the Heroes of the Storm Reddit putting in this mega thread of all the moves that have been happening by uh, all the regions and also listing who's out there as free agents for those that are looking to kind of recruit for their teams. Um, this is the first time that I've remembered seeing a mega thread like this. I may be wrong, but the comprehensiveness of this mega thread is definitely up to like high levels. They're hitting anything from like people hear something on a Twitch stream and they're throwing it into Reddit and tagging the guy who's doing this thread. And so we're learning about stuff from some maybe loose lipped Twitch streamers that are. (laughs) That never happens. What are you talking about? They're always professional and never, ever leak anything. One of them was pretty funny. Uh, Schwimpy from Fnatic was streaming and uh, said something to another player on uh, in while he was streaming in whispers or something was said to him. I can't remember which one it was. And the response was streaming clear chat. And of course, someone clipped it. And of course, someone went to Reddit and posted it. So this is how people are finding out like, oh, What's the new Fnatic roster? Well, we just, I think we figured it out, you guys. This is such a think? weird phenomenon that we don't have to deal with the traditional sports. Like, you don't have all these guys just like, there's a camera in practice and they're all talking about the moves that are going to be made. And that's essentially what we have with Twitch. And uh, yeah, combine that with streamers that aren't paying attention and are really, really bad at keeping secrets, generally speaking. And we don't even yeah. need Twitlongers anymore for this. We just watch them, you know, wait for them to leak it on the stream. So this this Roster Apocalypse leaked thread has done an amazing job of predicting all these moves. I think the most important one to start out with is Tempo Storm, which is basically yeah. just putting together a super team. Now, I don't want to dull this any, but super teams very rarely work out, but they are certainly going to make a crack at it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the last NA super team we thought possibly could have been was gale force esports i will say on the record though when gale force came out in phase two with their current roster which includes uh it's well it was michael udall k1 pro king caffeine fan and aka face and everyone goes oh my gosh mega team and i looked at that team and i said they're doomed they are doomed and yeah egos and um and i just it was and i was I have to say, I think I was right because they just did not perform at all as what expected, you know, people thought this super mega team. Now, I will say the the new team, Tempo Storm, now with uh, with Glaurung, Fan, June, Caterpillar, and Psalm, I call that a super team. We have an ego problem, though. Like, I feel I like so. this, I don't know. Who's like, got an ego on that team, really? I mean, Glaurung, maybe? But I've seen him really start to curb that back. He started to get a little bit more globally thinking. Yeah, he knows he's the one of the best players in NA. He knows that. But Fan also is one of the best players in NA. And he still has, I think, he, the two of them together, I don't know. June is totally not an ego guy. Caterpillar, I don't know. Psalm is an ego guy. I know he's an ego guy, so so maybe he's the issue that we'll have to contend with when it's coming to like Glarong and Fan Psalm, who's going to be like top dog on that assassin roster. Um, but I don't know. I think I'm a Tempo Storm fan now. Oh, oh. no more roll twenty. 
Well, Glara, see, here's the thing. I was I was a Roll Twenty fan because of the Glarung and the chemistry that he had with the other guys on that team. Um, that when he left, I was like, okay, wherever Glarung goes, I'm gonna take a look and see what I what I see. And then they put Glarung and Fan together, and I love Fan. And I'm like, oh, oh okay, I think it's Tempo Storm, which pains me because I did not like the previous Tempo Storm roster at all. So. They went from, like, my most hated NA team to now my favorite NA team. <laughs> so, mega team, mega NA team. But the big question is, is how much is this going to matter when the chips are on the table and we get to the midseason brawl and we get to the HGC finals next year? Is this a team that could finally make it to the semis, make it to the finals, and take on some of the EU and Korean super teams? I think we've got a shot at this. I really do because this is well. Temple Storm has been one of the most stable orgs in the uh, in 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 all of HGC and Hots in general. Like just in terms of knowing, like they seem pretty stable. They've got their money. They've got their in- infrastructure seemingly down. Um, versus like Roll Twenties new. They kind of came in there new. Gale Force, there's something going on with Gale Force in terms of their org, so I don't know. Whatever they they have not announced their roster yet. Right. Just so you guys know. We do not know what their roster is as of the moment of this recording. My guess is it's gonna come out tomorrow when we actually have the show release. That's um, how it always works, trust me. All the big news comes out like thirty seconds after I hit the publish button. I know. So, and so Gale Force, uh, I don't think they're going to be a very strong team based on the rumors. If that, if that roster apocalypse thread is correct, Gale Sport, Gale Force Esports is going to be made up of B Kid and Big Impact from Lag Force and Fury from Tempo Storm. The throwaways. Yeah. Kinda so, feels that way. I mean, with fan going, like, we already know that's a thing. Based yeah. on the previous announcements. So they went from super team to kind of a bit of a cobbled together roster, really, at this point, it yeah. kind of feels like. My guess, so if I were to say that Temple Storm is, is NA's best hope, um, <laughs> that, the, that the current second best hope would be Team Freedom. Wow. Yeah. Do you and feel NA is overall weaker at this point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the, the, the talent pool... The talent pool doesn't feel like it's being brought up in through the the ranks to this kind of level. There are certain players that I would say are at the premier tier. You know, when you think about people like, you know, Glarung and Fan, premier tier. June is one of the best supports out there. Psalm is one of the best assassins out there. But then you've got Gale Force, where who's left behind there? They think that um they think that K1 Pro is out of Gale Force. K1 Pro used to be like the guy. He was like the guy in Cloud9. And King Caffeine used to be the tank. And now these guys are just like that's two years ago that these were the the guys that they were calling them best tank, best assassin, best flex player. And now they're just like not they're where's the where's the talent that's coming to replace them if they're even being phased out after two years? Yep. And not because there's these amazing other options, right? Like, it's not like, oh, these other people have come up and the the bar has been raised in NA, but it really just feels like a consolidation of power at this point. Yeah. And honestly, the proving grounds, the best proving grounds that have been out there has been Heroes of the Dorm. So then you've got people like Cure, 
who actually came out of Heroes of the Dorm and went into now he's going to be moved into Team Freedom. Oh, he was in Team Freedom. Sorry, um, he was released and now he's moving to Roll Twenty. Um, there's there were a bunch of other guys that came out of that uh, was it the UT Arlington team from Heroes of the Dorm. But that's it. Like, I don't see those guys on the ladder. I don't see them streaming. I don't see them showing up into the Open League. These games are just kind of like, oh. They're there. So we can say that they're there. (laughs) Like, we're trying. Yeah. And that brings up an interesting point because the former Neventic squad that has obviously been having issues. There's all these rumors of them not getting paid and things of that nature. Oh, yeah. And they've already had to reform. Now, that. You know, reformed squad also looking likely to be disbanded, which means that we're now going to bring up a squad from the open league, I believe, is how this works, correct? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know how exciting that really sounds given the given the level of play that we've seen. The next well, if if Lag Force, formerly Deventic, is uh disbanded, which it really does sound like it's going there according to the roster apocalypse thread, um, then we have imported support who's going to be brought in from the open division, they actually did not qualify out of the Crucible. But Imported Support has been that team that's been kind of out there on the edge forever. And these are still unknown players. A couple of them I've seen like playing in the in, in on the ladder, but most of them they're kind of unknown, kind of raw. I don't know. Like where's like just you said, where's the talent? If if the team being brought up is an eternal fringe team, that means that we're not making any progress. Nobody has gotten better than them and nobody, and they haven't gotten better because they haven't made it in. This is by accident for all intents and purposes. And that's, that's unfortunate, but I think it's the fear that a lot of us had when the HGC was announced was that we would have some regions that just couldn't, there's just not enough overall talent to support it. And it still kind of feels that way, especially in NA. I don't know that that is as big of the case in EU and Korea, but very much so in NA, it's been on display. And I think a lot of that has to do with that NA's just been overall a bit more unstable from like a team standpoint. And I think that has exposed that far more than we've seen in other regions. Agreed. And if you look at it from the perspective of what happened in Phase 2, even in death is one of the teams that made it into HGC because B-Step disbanded. So they got in by default, of course, placed in eighth place, as we think we we always expect that to happen. Yep. Only one of those players currently, we don't know the final rosters, Lutano, is on an, a new HGC roster going in. So even in death loses their spot, one of their players, Lutano, is now on Team Freedom. So that's one out of five that actually went to the majors after being on a farm team, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I have lots of feels that we'll save for another a segment on the show, but this is definitely, yes. uh, it, it's not a great spot right now for the HGC and NA especially. Um, I, I, I'm excited for Tempo Storm fans, which apparently you now are one of. Um, but overall, <laughs> NA, like, it's looking weaker. There's been a consolidation of power, and I think there are less good teams. I think NA may have a better shot, but all of the weight will be on Tempo Storm's shoulders, at least what it looks like on paper at this point. Yeah, until we get the final word. We're still waiting for uh, Gale Force, Space Station Gaming, Superstars, and Lag Force to confirm their roster. So that's still four teams that we don't know about. Um, I don't think any of them... Well, Gale Force could possibly be the, a, a contender for top four 
if they find the right players, the other three know. We'll see. Let's talk briefly now about the EU. I think especially Team Dignitas, you, when you were on the show last, you kind of predicted that there were or at least heard rumblings that things at Dignitas were a little unstable. There were some egos getting in the way. Obviously, they, they failed miserably compared to their expectations at the HGC Grand Finals of BlizzCon. What are you seeing here that has you either excited or worried? Well, the big bombshell this week that we found out is Bakery, their support player, decided to retire from active play. He's now currently doing uh, commentary for uh, the Nexus Games, which is going on right now as we speak, in the EU. Um, so that was a huge bombshell, and a lot of people did not expect that to happen. Um, and then there were a lot of swaps that happened between the big three. Um, we have now a, a, an, a Dignitas team that takes out Mene and swaps him to Fnatic, and they put Wubby uh, you know, Wubby comes back to Dignitas. That's a whole thing. Um, we've got Poyuk. Poyuk, I think his name. Um, he comes from Team Zealots into the team. Zalia goes from uh, Assassin to Support. So they've they've done everything. Switched it all around. It was a big deal for, for Dignitas. I can't even tell you what I think about this team because I don't know. <laughs> All of this is, I mean, obviously with Bakery leaving, it's completely out of left field. Nobody really expected that. I think when we were trying to predict what could possibly be going on, I don't know that that was on anybody's list as far as like the likely scenarios that were going to happen. And it kind of feels like that was the case for them too, because this does not yep. feel like a very solid plan roster wise. Like no. when you've got people swapping roles to make rooms for the people you can get, that often, not always, but often is a bad sign because you're trying to make yeah. it work with the players that you have. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I think that the, I will dare to say that the swaps and the, and the, the roster apocalypse has hit Fnatic even harder, which was actually surprising and not surprising. What was not surprising to me is that they did decide to release Schwimpy. Um, and they, of course, as I mentioned, they took um, Mene in and sent Wubby over to, to Dignitas, but they pulled in Bad Benny from Team Expert, who is known as one of the best tanks in, in EU, if not in the world. Um, and that is a very interesting trade because Breeze, Fanatic's tank, has always been quite good at that role, but Bad Benny is known for tanks. So what are they going to do? Who's swapping where? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to turn down an opportunity at the most likely best tank in EU, if not in the world. But then you've got the second best. What do you do in that scenario? Because it's not yeah. necessarily the best setup for them. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, mean, I think mm -hmm. there's still a lot to shake out here. We'll probably t have you back on next week, I'd imagine, especially if this Reddit thread keeps uh, playing its way out the way that it looks like it's going to. But if you do want spoilers, check out our Twitter account, at NerfThisCrew. We will uh, have the links to both the awesome mega thread as well as the super secret spoiler thread if you want to keep up. And, of course, we will have Jules back next week to uh, tell us what the skinny is on the rest of these. Jules, where can people follow you in the meantime? You can find me on Twitter at JulesRPG. And if you'd like to check out any of the other stuff I do, uh, TorrentThinkTank.com or ConvertToRaid.com. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jules. And we're back. It is now time to talk a little Counter-Strike. Actually, not a little Counter-Strike, a lot of Counter-Strike. We, of course, had IEM Oakland going on this weekend all the esports you could possibly watch. 
and there was a ton of Counter-Strike, and most importantly, a ton of Ninjas in Pajamas. This was a uh, very, very entertaining grand finals between Ninjas in Pajamas and FaZe. Um, Forest, I gotta say this right from the get, Forest and Rez, especially in that first map, put on a master class. Like, there was just some amazing play there. And to be fair, FaZe, a little uncomfortable in Cobblestone, obviously, not really their forte. They, they kind of wanted to get it out of the way from the very beginning. But overall, like, it was a nice matchup. Like, we, we, you and I give IEM some shit from time to time for, you know, not always being the top notch <laughs> competitions. But this was, this was good. This was good for, in my opinion, especially a team in like Ninjas and Pajamas that desperately needed something like this going into the major. And this was a, this was a good turnout for them. And it it really, really was. And I think uh, it kind of harkens back to Epicenter and and Virtus Pro, where they kind of came out of nowhere. And they're like, wow, this is like the Virtus Pro of like in good form. And this is what they can actually do. And so Ninjas in Pajamas has had, uh, you know, some roster shuffles going on. They've not been on point. They've kind of been lackluster here and there. They've had brief moments of, of doing some amazing stuff. But this... Uh, this matchup against FaZe, who is probably in the, the peak of form that they've been in all, even all year. Like, they started off the year really, really amazing, kind of slowed down, I guess, a little bit in the summer, and then are, are now just, like, back and roaring with the addition of Olafmeister. Uh, <clears throat> and the thing that NIP did here is, and you mentioned Forest, you mentioned Rez, but at any point in time, if you tried to key on one of them, someone else would step up, right? Mm-hmm. Get right. It would be up on some greats. Draken is just pulling off some amazing shots. Uh, exist. Game five. Holy crap. He came out of nowhere. Just, he was just like God mode, just running through and just people <laughs> dying all around him. And and so it just became really difficult for some for for Faze and for Kerrigan to call shots and be like, okay, here's who we need to lock down. Here's what we need to focus on. Here's how we need to rotate to the, the different bomb sites. Because it was just... Everybody on NIP was just playing the best I've seen them play in for so long. Out of their minds. Yeah, and and FaZe was just... Granted, it did go to Game 5, right? But it was just... It was just a hot mess for FaZe. Especially, you could just see them super, super defeated. Even though the cash uh, Game 5 ended up 16-10... to They were just done. By <laughs> well, because by like the time it was over, 14, they should 7. have had this, right? Like, on paper... Phase like on paper going into this matchup, if you saw Phase versus Ninjas in Pajamas, you thought Phase is going to have a pretty good shot at this. Like they, they shouldn't struggle as much as they did. And to be fair, Ninjas in Pajamas definitely had some slip ups. Even in Map One, they had a hard time closing it out. I think they went like five or six rounds to get those last two wins, and it, so it wasn't perfectly smooth. But if you think about what you expect from Ninjas in Pajamas going into IEM and what we got out of it, you cannot discount the huge morale boost this must be because like you said every map had a new superstar for ninjas and pajamas and they were able to distribute load throughout that matchup so that no matter who phase decided to single out somebody else just said that's fine i got this and that's what you need (laughs) and they got it in spades against one of the toughest teams in counter-strike right now yeah, and you're right. FaZe should have had this. And I think everybody expected uh, an easy steamroll for for FaZe. Even though NIP had been playing well all tournament long, obviously. I mean, they both were 
uh, top of their group. And you can't discount the fact that, uh, uh, you know, this is NIP essentially, um, uh, you know, playing for a repeat at IEM Oakland because they won it last year. Yep. And they've done it again. And, and they win this year, obviously. So it, both teams uh, kind of defined that uh, group curse where you immediately get thrown into the semis and then just <laughs> fall out. Yep. And they both won onto the finals. And uh, so it's no surprise that it was such a strong matchup between the two. I just I haven't seen FaZe it's on game fine. I, have, I haven't seen them that defeated. Just even though they, they still could have pulled it back, they still could have done something. Yeah, their economy was destroyed or whatever. But they they had like a few moments of brilliance. Uh I think it was like um Kerrigan, like a clutch 4K after exists like rips through two members right of a, a, a phase as they're like right out of the gate, right as they push A. Uh and this is match point. And Kerrigan just just I don't know what he did. I don't know how he got inside the machine and he just made everybody die, but he did it. And it was super, super impressive. Uh, but they, you know, they, they switched the camera over to them. They're all just like, oh, we're, we're fucked. And it's like, like, wait, wait, where's the hype, man? Kerrigan just made like probably the coolest play of the tournament. And you guys are all like, yeah, man, we're fucked. That, that was all for nothing. Like we just wasted yeah. our time. Well, granted, I mean, they, yeah, that was fifteen ten at that point, but still, like, come on. Well, and the way that Ninjas of Pajamas struggled throughout the throughout that matchup to close things out, fifteen ten dire straits, but like not completely out of the question. Like there was some there was some tough no. times for Dip to put it away, but not going to do it with that attitude. No, no, and and you could also see that, uh, especially after exist like tearing through them at that 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 final match point. Uh, just they they kind of were just like it's ours i think they even the cast was like okay cool it's done exist just <laughs> exist and like get right i think just tore through people and they're like yeah it's it's over and i think even nip realized that and then after they lost you know kerrigan and Faye should just be like yes we're beasts we're, we're back we, we've got a chance uh it was nip being like uh uh, we hold on a minute. Like they were more depressed about it than than Faze was actually excited about it. It was just <laughs> such a weird camera shot because you would think that this was going to be one of those like sixteen threes. It just it wasn't. It just wasn't Faze for some reason. Something happened. Like Nico just looked depressed. Uh, and, and I don't I don't know. I don't know what happened to Faze on this. They kind of lost it mentally. I think partway through. They because did. I think they assumed themselves that they were going to steamroll it. Yeah, and I think that's exactly you hit it right on the head, right? Like th- to them, anything but a steamroll was a loss. Like they went in there with very high expectations. I think they probably looked at this matchup on paper and said, "This is pretty easy for us. Like we'll we'll take care of ninjas and pajamas." Like they got co- they made the they made a gutsy but smart move in getting cobblestone out of the way at the very beginning. They'd only had one match on land on cobblestone and they had lost it. Like we're not comfortable here. Let's get it out of the way. But they just never found their footing. Like, even when they won, there was just like this, like you said, their attitude was just like, there was just something missing there. They sucked a lot of the energy out of them in that first map, and it just carried throughout the rest of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, it was not pretty. And, I mean, this is an NIP that uh, not even six months ago, four months ago, I think, uh, like HLTV was like, they're not even a top 20 team, right? And right. now they're like, oh, they're number four. <laughs> like it's just holy crap, where is this coming from? I mean, now they have started to show like a, a better, uh, you know, return to form, but it's not been 
it's it's still most people are assuming like it's kind of a fluke, right? <laughs> and, and there's still kind of it's it's kind of like a uh, and I and I talked about about this with, with Kevin. Like, you never know what version of NIP you're going to get at any tournament. Right. Is it going to be the like this version where it's just it's insane? You can't stop anybody, and as soon as you key off someone, someone else just rips you up. Uh, or is it the kind of like we're asleep at the wheel version, right? <laughs> so you don't know who you're getting. And in this case, I think Faze thought they were going to get this this team who probably was, uh, you know. I don't know, driving on meds, <laughs> I guess I could say. Uh, and they got a team that was just like, we are going to take it to you. And we don't care if you're the number one, number two ranked team um, or what people consider to be top ranked team. We're going to, we're going to repeat. And they did. They did. So overall turned out well for them. Uh, it, I always struggle with how to handle IEM, like as far as how excited or lack thereof that I should get about the results. Because you had Astralis finishing fairly low and Gambit finishing fairly low. Um, SK and Cloud9 did you know decently well for themselves. But they're also, you're talking about teams like in Astralis and Gambit that are already in a good position going into the major and maybe just the fire isn't there to worry about IEM Oakland and they're focused on the major, which is not a, a horrible strategy. Yeah. I mean, you did have Astralis kind of bow out and that kind of seventh, eighth range. And that's largely because I think there was some issues with uh, some health issues. Like they were like someone had food poisoning or was sick or had been sick and, and still flew in to do it. And, and um, maybe it was device, I think. And uh, so even like, even after they lost, they immediately was like, peace out we're getting back on a plane we don't care right. and they had like a signing to do and people got all pissed off about it because they skipped it um but i'm like well who wants <laughs> hey will you sign my 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 shirt and then they just dump all everything they've ever eaten all over you like why <laughs> would you want to like risk that right uh like right. give a man some space and some toilet paper but like <laughs> i don't know it just i i don't think astralis was is um at, at their at their top I, again Cloud9 coming in uh, third to fourth, SK. You still had some strong teams in this. I mean, right. Gambit has been uh, hit or miss at, at times. Optic is uh, going through some things. <laughs> uh, Liquid, <laughs> fairly disappointing finish for them yep. on that 11th to 12th range. There was decent teams. I, I think uh, even though the, the kind of the bottom half, you look at you're like some of these teams should have placed higher. It just goes to show you that like NIP and FaZe were very, very strong this term, and they did, they were determined to be first and second. Maybe not in, you know, in their minds did, did FaZe think they'd be second, but still. Whatever. They thought they were going home with $125,000, not $50,000. But uh, I guess, the, you know, Kerrigan tried. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cared. Well, and the interesting spot is, if I'm reading this correctly, Ninja's Pajamas, like because of how they finished at the last major, or not participating in the last major, has no in for the Boston major at this point, right? They're not one of, uh, I don't think they're one of the legend teams. I they are not one of the legend teams. They're not. Of it. Yeah. And they're not um, one of the bottom eight that are allowed to qualify for the major from the previous major. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're... Interesting. They, it, again, they they were not doing well mid mid year, and people largely discounted them. And, and uh, it, it just, yeah, I, I still find it really funny that uh, they're considered that uh, like a top five team right now. Um, I don't know if I hundred percent believe it. I but don't. Maybe one more tournament, but 
I feel like they're going to go on this uh, streak of there, there not being any like huge, huge tournaments coming up for them that I know of. I can think of off the top of my head, and they're, they're going to cool off. We'll see kind of what Optic did last year, which is go from being really, really hot, major rolls around, they just hit a cold streak, and they lose people. But I don't think NIP will necessarily lose people. No, I just don't, I just don't think don't they're going to have a lot of opportunity, right? Because like, they're not going to be in the major. And when you look at the yeah. way that they've played out, right? Like, they won DreamHack back in July. And they get the and they get IEM this year. Their last win prior to that was IEM last year, and they took home Star Ladder and DreamHack last year. They're not they're not winning majors here, right? Like, I mean, that, I think that's the thing is like they're winning these minor in between tournaments. Like, if we're being frank, and that makes them good when either up against weaker competition or competition that isn't maybe necessarily focused on that tournament because of other obligations like majors. And so it's hard to get, and this is where I, I, I think I tend to agree with others about the HLTV rankings is sometimes they're a little overreactive to, to like what's just happened and lose yeah, some of the yeah. overall context. I think we saw something similar and Kevin's going to talk about this here shortly on the show is we said, we saw this with Virtus pro in a similar kind of just like, Oh my God. And it's like, we can't get the rankings cannot be so excitable. Like, and that's what's kind of, happening right right it, it's kind of like a weird stock market game We're like oh there's a good press release for them uh they're number four and it's like wait a minute it was like a, a press release how, how did they gain <laughs> ranks uh but and and i understand that part of it is a way of, of of saying like who's hot right now and who's in form and so she should be judged more as uh who's currently in form versus who overall is amazing uh and so but again, I feel like those tactics change from tournament to tournament, and who's hot really, um, uh, who doesn't really carry over for that that long. And, and nope. I think it's unfair to say that uh, uh, NIP, who four months ago was totally discounted, are now like a top five, well, they're the fourth ranked team on there, uh, amidst things like, you know, uh, phase sk and astralis like what did i put in nip up there now i know that he's beat phase but like it was a good day the wind was right the sun wasn't in their eyes kind of thing yeah. that's what it feels like they um, had the wind at now, their backs one more tournament with strong teams like this and if they were able to pull off like even a top you know two top four finish okay yeah i think you're you're, you're one of those but when you haven't you haven't even come in like uh, you haven't even made it to a quarterfinal on a major. I don't know if I still say you're a top four team. I mean, we saw some stuff where they were like big was like really good this this earlier in the year and then disappeared. And it wasn't anything crazy that happened to them. It just they won like one kind of like a, I don't know qualifier for Krakow and they'd be like, oh yeah, they're back. This is amazing German team. And you're like, not really. <laughs> well, yeah, because if you look at who they were up against against in DreamHack, it was CounterLogic, Envious, Heroic, Misfits, Red Reserve, KPI, and Energy. Right. Like, I come mean, on. Not, not, again, none of those are the top five teams that they're now listed as being part of. It, it's just, Yes. It, it, again, I don't think the quality of... Uh, there, there's no real quality and consistency in things. And we could, we could bitch and complain about this all day long. But... Uh, it's just sometimes a, a good reference for like who's hot right now. Yes, uh, not necessarily how is that team going to. They're not the fifth best. They're one. not the fifth best team in Counter Strike. No, no. Now, I, now, if you were to put them up in a tournament against the to other top four, uh, I think they would probably still end up at number four because they're not, <laughs> they're not supposed to be there. Uh, but unfortunately, we you know th those rankings go far and 
We, I'm telling you, top five. We, we need some nerf this power rankings. They'd be just as accurate as everybody else's. We should. We should actually compare them to like AVBs and beers, and we'll be okay. People are actually like, oh no, no, I get this. Like it's just, uh, it's like a power, a power ranking, but with. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. NIP uh, is the pumpkin spice cider of there you go. of the beers. There you go. Very seasonal. Seasonal. I'm happy with it. It's a little spicy, <laughs> but overall, I'm not going to drink it again. That's that is ninjas in pajamas. I think. I thank you for pulling me out of that analogy. Thank that, you. That's what I'm here for. Uh, so, with that said, it's time to talk about the Boston Major and Seven. You got an opportunity to sit down with our good buddy Kevin Hit as we start to preview the legend teams heading into the Boston Major. Hey everyone, I'm here with Kevin Hitt, and we're here to talk about the E-League CSGO Boston Major happening in January, and Kevin's kind enough to join us to talk about uh, the preview of the eight legend teams, and in this segment, we're going to talk about Virtus Pro and North, so Kevin, thank you. Yeah, absolutely great to be here. It's always a pleasure, and uh, glad to have another major here in North America. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and Boston, which is new for for E-League, so... Uh, we, we started just kind of chatting a little bit before the show and, uh, you seemed a little irritated at the current HLTV placement <laughs> of, uh, uh, of Virtus Pro. Uh, let's, let's talk about Virtus Pro and going into this, this major. They're again, one of the legend teams, uh, so they will be there regardless. Uh, what do you think of, of VP right now? Well, the funny thing is, is, you know, they just came off of, uh, you know, playing at Epicenter. And uh, they won, which was a surprise to many, many people out there. Fans and pundits never thought that uh, right, right. the way that Virtus Pro had been playing in the past is they'd just been getting beat all the time. In fact, I believe they're relegated for ESL Pro League. They didn't even make it for the next season. And, um, you know, they've been taking a beating in terms of, uh, you know, all the other matches. And, I, you know, kind of looking at it, and they're losing the teams I've never even heard of. You know, uh, AGO, never heard of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're losing to just a lot of teams that nobody would think they would lose to. You know, they lost to God Sent in early November. And um, to be ranked as high as they are, HLTV, I believe the number six right now, is uh, it's very interesting um, based on just maybe the result at Epicenter where, you know, they played very well. Uh, you know, yeah. they beat K in the finals. They beat him, uh, you know, 3-2, which was a great match. Um, but Virtus Pro is still that team. You have no idea who's going to show up. <laughs> I think that's in my notes. I was like, which version will we see? This The the ones that can, uh, you know, hold their own enough at Epicenter with, like, SK or the version that loses to some, like, third-rank uh, Chinese team in some random tournament. Like, they, they sent – you never know who's going to appear, it seems like. Yeah, and you know the cool thing is, and there was two ways that Virtus Pro could have gone from when they signed that new contract. You know, they're all making big time money now, um, and they got locked in. I think it was last year they signed like a four year deal, and uh, I know they're just making ungodly uh, amount of salary per month. And there's two ways you can go: you can either sit on your laurels and go, "Man, we're done. We've got this four year deal. Um, we can just show up to tournaments and mail it in," um, or we can you know, really take this money and, you know, really invest our time into making, you know, a value for value contract with these guys. And right now, um, I don't think there, I don't think there's value for value here. I think the players, um, and and as much as they are professional, they are very professional, you know, they have life things that are cropping up right now. You know, they've got kids, they've got families and, you know, once you start creeping up into your late twenties, early thirties, 
um, gaming will take a back seat to life things. And I think that's what's happening to Virtus Pro. I don't think it's uh, you know an overt attempt to say we we had our contract money and now we can just chill. I really do think that life things are getting in the way of their performances. And um, when they want to play and they get after it, they still can be one of the top teams in the world. But mostly right now, um, they're decidedly average. Yeah, it's uh, it's always hit or miss. I mean, you, you can't take them for granted because they do have those moments where they are brilliant. They are performing incredibly well. Uh, snacks pulling out things that we have no idea how it's even possible. And then the other minute, it, you you they're just they're kind of asleep at the wheel, <laughs> it seems like. Let's move on to, to North because North is in an interesting space uh, having done uh, – had a better part of the year, especially like good runs at DreamHack, basically, um, you know, taking Montreal, bowed out in the quarterfinals and majors, uh, sorry, the crackout major. They're constantly competing at a very high level. But where where will they place in this major? Where do you think? Well, North reminds me a lot, and, and I hope this doesn't blow their team up, but they really remind me a lot of immortals when they were up and coming meaning immortals was right in the middle of just about every tournament for a while you know where they're they're making it to the playoffs and then they'll lose in the first round or second round um and north is certainly doing that i i think that north is going to make it to the playoffs and i think they're going to get beat in the first or second round um but i will tell you they are um one of the teams that i could see um being knocked out of legend status and, uh, you know, unfortunate for them, but I think, um, they're going to have to play really, really, you know, well, they can't lose to the likes of LDLC and they can't take losses to big, you know, as they have in the past. And, um, you know, they're still getting beat by the Astralis and the G2s of the world. Um, they're going to have to step up their game because right now, um, they are above average team. They're very good, but at the same time, I could see them being dropped from legend status after Boston. Yeah, they seem to constantly be maybe in that space where Astralis was around uh, maybe midsummer last year, right? Where they kind of never yeah. seem to fully uh, commit to the full blown win, uh, kind of bow out second, third, maybe in the quarters all the time. Kind of just kind of seem to crack a little bit, um, but then obviously things change with Astralis. So again, another team that you can't discount. I think all of these teams are larger you can't discount, but I don't see North going the full. Full run, not this time around. Not, I mean, they've been playing well, but again, middle of the pack still, maybe top middle of the pack. And Kevin, real quick before I let you go, uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, you can see me on Twitter at, at Kevin underscore hit. You know, my stuff, I'm living that freelance life right now. So you can see my stuff on ESPN, Red Bull Esports, and a new little venture called Break the Game. So go ahead and check those out. Kevin, thank you for taking your time, uh, taking some time and chatting a little bit about uh, a couple of our uh, legend teams going into the uh, E-League Boston Major. Again, that Boston Major is, uh, well, it starts, the qualifiers start January 12th through 15th, the group stage, January 19th through 22nd, and of course the quarters, semis, and the championship is January 26th through 28th. That is, uh, obviously, go go over there to E-League.com and you can sort all that out. (laughs) 
And we're back, and the esports just keep on rolling. We got some FGC action this week. Um, yet another event that you and I completely forgot about when we thought things were over come BlizzCon time is the Capcom Cup. And we had the final regional event going into the Capcom Cup, the Red Bull Battlegrounds in Boston. And it was quite the interesting. I, I don't even know. I mean, yeah. I know where to start with this, which is. Smug got a little too smug, and that's the whole story here, because Idum came out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, and just like, it, it was so fun to watch. Like, I, I almost feel bad giving away the results right now, so if you have not seen Red Bull Battlegrounds yet, pause the show, go watch the last three matches, so watch the Punk I can't even say who to watch. Just watch the last three matches, and it will be worth it because the way it plays out is great. Now that you've done that and you're back, let's talk <laughs> about this. But So the turning point here is the matchup with Smug because that really plays out what we assumed was going to be a Smug-Punk final, which would have been awesome to see, but that's not what we get. No, no. I mean, the the whole... The way everything goes down is incredibly... Uh, just I don't know. It just, it's something. It's something to watch and something to almost watch in awe because you're looking at uh, Idom, who most people don't know. I think the only real reference to him, like a kid doesn't even have Twitter, right? No. Like it's just it, not that that's like a horrible thing. It, like Bravo, millennial, Bravo. But uh, it's <laughs> it's one away. of those things where it's like he's not really well known in the scene. I think K. Brad was talking about him just wrecking New York um, last year at this time. Yep. So it's one of those things where uh, people were just. W- underestimating him completely. So if you go and you watch the winner's final, which is uh, Punk against Idom, he goes up 2-0 on Punk. And you just see Punk start sweating. It's like, wait a minute. This like he, can't be he's kind of there like happy-go-lucky, kind of, you know, whatever. I this, you know, this here I am in the, my, my, my jersey with every all these logos and whatever. And there's some kid across from me, literally in just like a T-shirt and jeans. It's like, like an Adidas, like just flat-out T-shirt. Like nothing. Yep. It's, it's, he's not part of anything. Uh, which I think will change this week, uh, but he basically uh, you know, he got there and, and was I feel like disrespected by Punk. I mean, he went through Smug, he tore through Smug, he tore through uh, 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 Justin Wong. I mean, he yep. went through some strong people. Now Smug even knocked out Knuckle Dude. Like this is he he's up there competing with the the the, the best people. Yeah, and that IDOM Smug match, the Laura versus Balrog, he came yeah. back and reverse swept Smug. And just the, if you want the story, just take a screenshot of Smug after every round and play a nice little flip book as you watch him go from being Smug, no pun intended, to just getting rolled. And it was so yeah. glorious to watch. Like, I love Smug. He's great. But he got fed, and it was so good to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he did. He came back from uh, 2 down, you know, obviously down two rounds against Smug, won three straight, and then had to, uh, after he got knocked down by Punk, who basically reverse swept him, uh, he had to go against Smug again in the the losers final, and it, which he took two more straight, and just Smug, man, he was felt defeated. That's mm-hmm. five straight rounds that were just stripped from him from this this kid across from him who he who almost just, knocked out. He came. He came yeah. like within a round, two rounds of knocking him out. Like there was only in that first matchup between them, he had only Idom had only taken one round off Smug in those first two, and Smug just like he just figured Idom just figured him out. 
is really what it boiled down to. He yeah. started to get his projectile spacing better. The mix-ups were insane in the second half of that match mm-hmm. against Smug. It was really, really well done. You want you want a, again, like we try to point out these matches that you should watch to get excited about a particular genre. The IDOM Smug match was just a blat the best fifteen minutes of FGC that I've watched in a while. Yeah, and uh, now the final doesn't really speak to much except for the fact of this is what happens when Punk shows respect. Uh, <laughs> Punk's face, I think I even took a screenshot of it. I was like, this is what happens when you realize you disrespected the kid across from you and he's actually good. I mean, he 3 owes him in, in the end. Uh, and, and so that's not really indicative of, of, of Idom's journey through everything because it was very much a different story yep. uh, the, the round before or the last time that they met. And and so Idom's just someone I think that uh, it, it's been mentioned. I think Uzim K. Bright mentioned like he needs to get out to more tournaments. We don't see him out a lot. He's yep. kind of in that New York, uh, uh, that like northeastern U.S. Uh, kind of region. So he only kind of plays around there. Uh, and it would not surprise me if if he gets picked up by the end of this week or in, end of next week, by the end of the month even, someone will, will sponsor him and get him out to more tournaments because he's competing at this incredible level. And what, what would he do with more. more experience, right? Like when he got out there, he's playing some mm-hmm. of the West Coast tournaments. He's playing these guys more often. We're seeing more of him. He, I mean, it was damn good. Like it, it was damn good, and he, <laughs> he. I mean, you always have to give a certain percentage of it to the fact that Punk just didn't take him seriously, and I don't think he's as good as Punk, but I think he could be, at least on the surface, based mm-hmm. on what we witnessed this weekend. He's pretty damn good, and for what he did to Smug alone, he should be respected in what he could possibly do. Yeah, and and I also believe. Uh, I mean this. This tournament is the reason why we delayed the show a day because I was like, yeah. Brian, you you have to watch it. We were all watching so much and we were just kind of going to talk about this, but I found myself just stopping kind of watching and postponing some PUBG rounds so I could just continue to watch the slide because it was unfolding and it was just, it was crazy. Yeah. And uh, just so, so many good uh players so many good pros in in this entire like north american finals uh and it's one the same one i think they had in seattle last year which knuckle do one yep. so seeing him get knocked out in quarters just only tells you like the type of uh, the the amount of competition that was there uh it, it's it's been a uh yeah it was a great sorry i i Technically, Knuckle Doom made it to the the semis and the losers, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Idom was the narrative. I think yeah. I, I mentioned this. Idom was definitely the narrative of this. And to see someone sitting across the stage and people are just not really respecting him, and he's tearing through the best. And, and just uh, had the same look on his face the whole time, right? Like, he just kind of did his thing. Smug tried to mess with him with a handshake, and he was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And, like, he stayed cool. He did a good I job. don't know. I don't know how much of it was staying cool or how much of it was just like I don't understand how tournaments are run kind of thing. Like, it doesn't legit, matter. It, it had the same effect. It, it, but it was. It's like the beauty of the FGC, right? You can get someone who's literally just plays a ton in their local area, who's just amazing, and can go up against pros at this sort of level, and then just perform. And you're like, holy crap, who is this person? Right? You yep. you occasionally get a unicorn like this. And I think items the unicorn. Um, of uh, the Capcom Pro Tour, like the the North American one, like this. I don't know. This Battlegrounds was so much more fun. Of course, yeah. this is like when we got super pumped about Ricky Ortiz last year, and that's just all gone to Ricky, shit. So yeah, Ricky's not done so great. She's not done great this year. We have the podcast curse. Idom will never win again. 
Right, right. He won't get yeah. He won't get picked up. Uh, he'll have to file for bankruptcy or <sighs> like I don't know. I he starts to play he's clay fighter kid. professionally. Like it's just it's all down. He'll hop on Twitter and then he'll just his whole life will go. Yeah. To he's just doing twit longers. Like it's <laughs> just. Oh man, I'm looking for a team. My old team sucked. <laughs> I'm not very no. good, but I could use some help. And if you want to pay me <laughs> to help me, it'll be great. Oh man, Twitter. Twitter. Oh man. Keeping with the FGC, you got an opportunity post Injustice 2 World Championship to sit down with Dragon to talk to him about uh, how that all went down. Hey everyone, I'm here with Ryan Walker, aka Dragon, aka the E League Injustice 2 World Champion. Uh, congrats, man. Congrats. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, I, but before the tournament, you mentioned. Uh, I think it was on Twitter. You said, today is the day I win. Uh, so I'm assuming that no nerves were kind of kicking in with $150,000 on the line. Uh, no, the the nerves definitely were there. Uh, I'm just a confident player, I guess. I've always been a confident player. So, you know, I said I was going to win. I was really confident that I would win. I was 90% sure that I would, and I could do it. Um, but... Trust me, the nerves were there more than they ever were. But they actually helped me in a way mm-hmm. um, that helped me do better, I guess, in tournaments. So it, it was a good thing. In, in the winner's interview, you mentioned that nobody will ever know just how much work you put into Injustice 2. Uh, with that, you had a week to prepare uh, between group play and the playoffs. How did you prepare? Right. Yeah, with with just a week, it's, you know, you don't have as much time. Um, but, you know, I just saw who my opponents were, so I saw mm-hmm. I had to go against Foxy first. So I trained against uh, other players who play the character that he plays, which is Deadshot. And also Batman. He plays Batman now. So I, uh, you know, asked uh, other players, other Deadshot players, other Batman players if they want to play, and I play against them, and then I see what... Maybe I can do uh, for my strategy, and once I figure out a strategy, you know, I play them again and see, like, you know, okay, this this works. I'm gonna go into E League with this strategy, with this game plan against this character, and it seems to work out here, so I'll try it there, uh, and you know, it worked. So that that was my my game plan, and you know, everything everything went good. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you, you yeah. did win, so I, like, <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> so, uh, what does your typical, um, I guess, you say your your typical work week, or what do you normally do from a week to week basis between tournaments and such? Uh, right. Well, you know, I I say I play. You know, it depends on the day how much I play. Really, mm-hmm. I'd say on average about. Seven, eight hours a day, actually. Um, but some days it could honestly be like one or two hours a day, you know. And then some days it could be I, I could go crazy and I could go twelve hours a day, you know. I could it yeah. could be an all day thing. Yeah. So it really just depends. But I definitely play a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, going into this tournament, there was just a, a, a lot of hype surrounding. Sonic Fox is being the potential winner. Most people had him. Sorry, there's like a truck backing up as well, uh, if you can hear that. That's okay. Um, So, I mean, you had already had a successful year. You had won Evo. You were top five in almost every Premier League event you attended. Uh, I believe you like your worst finish was that was like ninth at Defend the North. I mean, did you feel overlooked or not taken seriously? And how did that affect both you you both mentally and in your prep? Uh, You know, 
I don't think I was ever really overlooked, I'd say. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Sonic Fox wasn't there, which no one expected. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm a player who, who did win EVO, and now I just won E-League. So I don't think... Everyone always knew that I was a great player, and anyone who went against me would, you know... It, it would be... It would be a tough competition, I guess. So um, I definitely wouldn't say that. But you know, it's uh, even without Sonic Fox, it's a it's a tough tournament to to win. You know, but um, you know, I, I did it. I practiced, and you know, I, I won. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of competitors switched up characters throughout the tournament, but you stayed with Black Adam nearly like the entire time, maybe even the entire time. I mean, did you ever feel that you? Uh, that gave you an advantage or an edge, or did you ever consider switching up? I mean, I don't think you ever dropped more than one round leading up till the the finals, grand finals. Yeah, I I definitely considered switching characters. Um, well, I wouldn't say considered, but I was thinking about if a certain situation happened during a set with um, one of these players that I would switch to Aquaman, and that situation was if uh, I was up. Two to one against either Foxy's Batman or Tekken Master's Batman or even King's Batman. They actually all played Batman, <laughs> you know, and I lost the game. So it was two two. They had to stick with Batman because they just won. I would switch to Aquaman because I actually do know the Batman matchup better with Aquaman. And I think he does okay. better. So that's the only situation that I would have gone Aquaman and I could have, but you know, it just it just didn't happen out uh, happen that way. So I could, you know, I was able to stick with Black Adam all the way. I'm trying to think of back in Evo, you used Aquaman at Evo though, correct? Yes, yes, I yeah, did. I thought you did. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about that winner's final against Tekken Master. Um, uh, I believe it was like game two. You're down. You're both down to like maybe like four pixels of life, uh, and he dro- and he drops. I mean, he totally whiffs. It was one of those rare moments, basically. In the tournament where where things felt level in the matchup, because uh, I think you both might have been one one at that point. Do you think that gave you the the momentum swing you needed to win out the match? I mean, what went through your mind when he dropped? You know, I if if you watch it again, you can actually see me. I just smiled actually because <laughs> I knew that he messed up because I did something that was a very obvious thing to do uh, and. He should have blocked it, but it was, you know, that type of thing where you're in the moment and you don't really realize what could happen because you're both so low on life that you're, the nerves are just so crazy. So that's why I smile because I kind of got away with something, but <laughs> I think that really got him um, on tilt. I, I think he, you know, it, it messed up how he, you know, he thought of everything. He did more risky plays, he got more aggressive, and um, it didn't really, really help him out. So I think that's really what, you know, helped me win the whole set. Mm-hmm. And, and so going into uh, the grand finals versus Foxy Grandpa, I mean, uh, what went through your mind? I mean, you had already beaten him in the first uh, the first round and sent him down to the the lower bracket. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have any concerns going into the grand final against him? Because I mean, he had had a, a really great run through the tournament. Obviously, I mean, he's at the grand finals. Yeah, yeah, he did. You know, um, I was uh, a little bit nervous. I guess you could say I'm always nervous in any of my matches, but I'm also confident at the <laughs> same time, which is 
kind of weird. But, you know, I, I know Foxy is a great player. I respect him a lot. So I knew that he would be able to slightly adapt to how I beat him in the winner's side. So the first time around. So I knew that I kind of had to change up my style a bit. Because right, if right. I played the same way, then he would definitely adapt to it. It's not that... If I tested the waters to see if he adapted to it, it, that would be bad. I could possibly lose a game because of it, because I just know Foxy is that great of a player mm-hmm. that he will adapt to that um, sort of play. So I had to be very careful going against him, but me switching it up really helped uh, you know, get the win against him. We we saw him uh, actually rotate quite a bit through Deadshot and Batman throughout the tournament. I mean, did you have a read on who he'd go with first in the grand final? You know, I wasn't really sure, actually. I thought, you know, maybe he'll try Batman because he he picked him up, like, not too long ago. I think it was three weeks ago before E-League, something like that. And, uh, you know, he really, he really loved him. He thought he was a great character, and he thought that people didn't use him to the best of his ability. So I thought, you know, since Deadshot didn't work the first time for him, I said, you know, maybe he'll go to um, Batman. But Deadshot also didn't surprise me either. I think it could have been a toss-up either way. But what does surprise me is he actually didn't try Batman at all. I thought he was going to try it at least once, whether in uh, the first time we played or in Grand Finals. So what was your game plan against his Deadshot? I mean, was there any weaknesses that you saw in his play, either from prep or even the round previous? It's really hard to find weaknesses in foxy um you can you he's the type of player that you just really need to play solid against you can't you know try anything uh crazy anything gimmicky you just gotta play solid you gotta uh really just be patient as well because deadshot and foxy together you both um both of them (laughs) you have to play patient against so if (laughs) if you don't do that they're going to um, blow you up. So um, that was mainly the goal in it. And obviously there's a whole bunch of little, you know, um, things that go into the matchup as well. But, you know, other than that, those were the big things that I worried about. You'd mentioned you were surprised he didn't switch to Batman. Uh, what was your game plan had he switched to Batman? Were you going to Aquaman? Was that the, was that the choice? Uh, well, the thing is about that... Um, if I beat his dead shot with Black Adam and I was up 1-0 and he switched to Batman and beat my Black Adam, then I would switch to Aquaman because I would have the the game lead. Um, the, if that makes sense. So if I picked mm-hmm. Aquaman and I beat his Batman, he would go dead shot and then his dead shot would probably beat my Aquaman because that's a really hard matchup to win. So then it would be 2-2. So then I have the last opportunity to switch. He won't. He's not able to switch because he got the last game and now it's 2-2 and I get the final switch, if right, that right. makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, um, that's that's the, the time that I would switch to Aquaman. But if I lost the, the first one, if he picked Batman against me and he beat my Black Adam, I would not switch to Aquaman because he would have the game lead. And the last choice would be him able to switch and that wouldn't 
being my favorite. So I would switch out out to Black Adam all the way mm-hmm. for for in, in that situation. Well, I mean, obviously your your strategy worked. Again, the final matchup ended up uh, with three one in your favor. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you seemed always in control. So uh, congratulations again on that. Uh, thank uh, you for you know winning E League. You're now yeah. the Justice Two World Champion. Uh, one you. one last thing before you 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 go. Um, I, I do want to know. With the announcement of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Adam, and Enchantress, do any of these sound appealing enough to sway you away from Black Adam or Aquaman? Yeah, definitely. I'm going to try out Enchantress. I actually, uh, I love female characters. It's funny because I don't play any female characters right now, but... You know, I I will play female characters if they're they have interesting gameplay. Uh, I prefer them over male characters for some reason. I don't know why. Usually they're mo- more uh, mobile. Um, but right now, I I don't I don't know why I'm not. But um, you know, Enchantress is definitely interesting to me. Uh, the Atom is actually interesting as well, but um, I, I I usually like to see gameplay before I decide what characters right, right. I play. So you know I can't wait to see how they play, but uh, they they all seem really cool. So CGI cinematic isn't enough to sway you to immediately want to switch away from Black Adam. Uh, not <laughs> not entirely, not entirely. No. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you again, Ryan, for uh, taking some time out of of your day and, and chatting with us. Uh, oh, yeah, about thank your you run. So much. Uh, it yeah, was for having It was great, man. Thank you again and uh we'll be back. And we're not done yet. That's the FGC. We got one more piece. We've got Alex Magdaleno from Bleach Report Esports to talk about all the crazy roster stuff that we've got going on with League of Legends as well. We've got four teams churning over with the new NALCS franchising, which means a hell of a lot more rumors than we normally have. Our our, our friend Jacob Wolf over at ESPN7 has been uh, working overtime with the sources. If 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 rumors were like dollar bills, he'd be rolling around on a bed just naked right now. Damn, just man, there's a picture. Loving it up. There's yeah. a picture. Oh, man. And to join us to talk about that is, once again, Alex Magdaleno from Bleacher Report Esports. Alex, welcome back to the show. What's up, Brian? I'm Are you... ready, ready to break this down. You know, it's funny. We were talking before the show started, and we're like, we were going to originally record on Saturday, and there's going to be some stuff to talk about. And now we have TSM to talk about. And probably, I don't know that anyone would have predicted they would have gone as drastically in another direction as they have, but they, they're basically rebuilding almost completely. Yes, and um, I have a lot of thoughts as a TSM fan. Um, That's fine. We allow biases on this show, so you can be as biased as you want. Pretty, pretty long-time TSM fan, and I'll just say straight out the gates that I totally disagree with what they're doing. So it looks like if we just kind of like break down what what is rumored or reported to be happening. Sources. TSM is dropping the bot lane duo of Doublelift and Biofrost, affectionately known as Biolift, for <laughs> the arguably best Western bot lane, maybe like in terms of overall like performance on international stages and in domestic leagues, um, G2's Sven and Miffy. And I think it's just kind of crazy. I don't think anyone expected a complete overhaul, like you said. Um, and it brings into a lot of different questions. We say complete overhaul because if 
is if the reports are true, that takes up both of TSM's import slots, yep. meaning they also either have to finesse a, finesse a way to give Sven. This is, this is going to get confusing. Sven <laughs> Skarin a uh, like finesse away with it that he's only playing with Sven or Mithy at one time, or they just drop Sven Skarin completely and find a NA jungler. So it's definitely a, a weird situation. I didn't expect this big overhaul, especially just given the sort of like team cohesion and unity that they've sort of found despite the poor results. Um, and it's really kind of a lateral move that's what a lot of people are saying is that like double lift and biofrost have laned against sven and mithy before and they either won or come out even in lane um i don't think that if you look at the mechanic mechanical skill of both uh sven and double if you put them up against each other they kind of have the same strengths they're both very competent laners probably the best in the region and then they're also great team fighters outside of laning phase um biofrost is a very great mechanical support and i guess the the sort of place tsm fans in general are looking as an upgrade or seeing this as an upgrade is that biofrost pales in comparison to what mythy offers as a shot caller right so you get some benefit and I get on the surface the the feeling why they needed to do this. They had a very disappointing world, arguably more so than the previous year, just because expectations were even higher than they were yeah. last year. But this, so to go for an overhaul is not unheard of. But like you said, maybe like it's almost a one to one. Like you could make an argument that it's a one to one swap. It's it's really different people playing the same roles at practically the same level. It's is going to make, and they showed some early signs of this last year when they made some changes and they had some trouble early on with that team cohesion. This is going to be to an even more drastic degree. And mm-hmm. you throw on top of this a new coach as well. It, it feels like regardless of how great this may end up looking on paper, it will probably be a worse start to the split this year than it would have last year, just given all the changes that are on the table right now. Yeah, I can see that happening. And just sort of like going back to... Um, the the head coach, the reported head coach pickup in um, Immortals, Immortals' coach uh, song. I that's what I really going out of Worlds. Yes, it was another disappointing Worlds for us. I think I probably like talked to you about it when we were at BlizzCon last episode. <laughs> there very were some disappointing, tears. very disappointing Worlds. There was higher expectations, like you said, um, but it didn't feel like the reason we lost was we <laughs> the, the reason tsm <laughs> lost was because of like just straight straight out like our players weren't good enough right. um it felt like our pr- players weren't prepared enough and so going in once immortals um was like reported to have been denied um an nalcs franchise i really just wanted to see tsm make a move to pick up coach song because he seems like sort of the person that you need behind a like internationally successful NA team. Um, not something, not someone like Parth who, you know, really only became a coach. And I say that like in quotes because it was a like circumstance, like Weldon left and he was supposed to take a, an operations job with team Solomid and they didn't have anyone. He did pick and ban for them before he was an analyst. So just like kind of make him a coach, but he doesn't really have like, a great overall sense of like macro strategy i think and that's why i think song would have just been the sort of key 
uh, with this with this roster. So now that was that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to see from Team Solomid. And now you throw in a completely different bot lane, a majority EU team. I think the NA jungler spot. It's looking like if this happens, it's going to be probably Mike Young, who I think is still sort of an unproven jungler. I think the hype was real, and he was he proved himself in a, in domestic league, and he proved himself at Rift Rivals, but like. In the grand scheme of things, what even was Rift Rivals? Like, pretty much nothing. Well, well, clearly not an indicator of anything based on how Worlds ended up shaking out. Exactly. It's like, if anything, yeah, Europe was supposed to be the, like, weakest region coming out of Rift Rivals, and they showed up way more than NA did. Um, But, like, specifically, Mike Young, uh, I just, if 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 the lineup is Haunter, Mike Young, Bjergsen, Sven, and Miffy... With Coach Song, that does seem like an incredible. That does seem like an incredible lineup on paper, but the growing pains are going to be there. It just seemed like the easy fit for Team Solo Mid to like really figure out what this problem is and why they can't get out of group stage would have been to just get a proper coach. I mean, me and you are both uh, really big fans of of the Premier League and just like world football in general, and it's like that's where I see the problem at. Like it's a, the manager. There's no fundamental system for Team Solo Mid to work in. They were all very competent players, and they just kind of steamrolled themselves to NALCS championships. But when you put, are put on the same level of like players who are just as good as you, it really comes down to like how you play the game and how you understand the game. And I don't think that they understand the game at a macro level, even if it they appears they do. Yep, I would agree so. wholeheartedly. I, I think you ended up in this strange situation where if you watch their loss at Worlds... It was not a case of where they were outclassed on an individual basis, right? It was not that every player on the team they were up against were better than every player on TSM. What you had was a lack of a macro strategy, a lack of a good read of the meta, and Song brings that. I mean, we're talking about not just like, oh, he's been on Immortals, but he's been on Rocks, he's been on Long Zoo. He has international experience with varying degrees of meta. Like you said before, Parth did not bring that to the table there's always going to be this question, if this all proves out to be true, there's always going to be this what-if question of what if they had just gone with Song and left the team as is. They would have, in my opinion, definitely had a better spring split and arguably could have had a better... It would just been interesting to see, and now we're never going to get to see that because he's going to get that extra mountain to climb of also trying to bring this team of basically all new players together. Which, again, to be fair... Yes, you put Coach Song with this lineup, it sounds like a killer lineup. It sounds like one of the best we probably could ever see in the West. But that being said, it just seems unnecessary. It seems like you're completely breaking up this sort of like TSM family. Maybe I'm like too sentimental to that idea, especially because they all seem to get along. And once I saw this report, I could only think of like Doublelift saying in a TSM Legends episode once that like these are the best friends he's ever had in League of Legends. I'm like, that's all gone. The what? feels, the feels. The fe- uh, but it just seems like it seems like there was no. It was change for change's sake, which fair play, you can totally do that. But like, it didn't need to happen. I don't think it needed to happen. I think Mithy, in terms of um, being an upgrade over Biofrost, that's totally fair. That he's a he's a shot caller. But I also think that people value that a lot. Not maybe like more than they should, but in like different ways than they should. Because the idea that 
there's a single shot caller in a League of Legends in team now is just kind of like like that's dead. I the fact that shot calling solely relies on one person's input I don't think that happens in, in competitive League of Legends anymore. I don't think if you look at like teams like Samsung or SKT, like they have one person that calls every single play and makes sure everyone's in, in line. Um, it's very much like a team oriented thing and people and professional players like Bjergsen have said that before that there's that the idea of a single shot caller doesn't exist. So is Mithy's ability to do that even that much more valuable? I don't know. Yeah, they apparently think so. Like, uh, I mean, we're reading a lot into this, but it, based on this move, they would have to be the case. Because as you said, as a bot lane, they matched up really well from an in-game standpoint. So the only thing you could possibly be getting out of this is either A, you're just shaking it up because you feel like you have no other options, which I think you and I both disagree with, or yeah. you think there's value in that individual shot caller that you were not getting out of the original bot lane, and now you're going to have that, and that's why you do it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, Biofrost is still even, at, at this point, still like an early, he's not a rookie, but he's still like not a veteran player, he's just been around in the league, and I think he was a the best best or second best performing player at uh worlds this year probably second best under Hanser. it just seems weird it just seems weird that you go for this move and i don't know maybe it's reginald seeing an opportunity in sven and mithy um being allowed to explore their options early and he's just taking a chance on it and making a strike which is as a fan of team solo mid the organization i respect that and I think that that's what I wanted to see with Coach Song. He was he was up for grabs, and we made a concerted effort to grab him. But it just seems weird. It just seems completely out of left field. I know that there was like earlier rumors that this all started with um, that famous like um, solo queue player Tarzan on stream saying that this would be the new TSM lineup, and everyone was like, "No, he's what does he know? What does he know?" Right. Bjergsen even on stream was like, "He doesn't know anything." And Turns out he might have known everything. <laughs> he had all the answers. He had all the answers, and I guess he maybe maybe he has the answers as to why TSM and Reggie thought that this was the decision that they needed to make going forward in 2018 to quote unquote win worlds or whatever NA teams say. Yeah, now. whatever we say to convince ourselves that just winning NALCS is not enough. Yeah, whatever that. the whatever the goal is now internationally. And what is weird is this now, and there hasn't been any rumors to substantiate anything as far as the future of Double Lift and Biofrost, but where do they go now? You now have another top-tier bot lane on the market. Yeah, and so the thing is that a lot of people are already like floating the idea um, that Steve, paid by Steve, Team Liquid will pick up that duo if there's an option. Which is insane to me because there's also rumors that Liquid is filling their bench with basically a bunch of formal Immortals players on top of all of this. Yeah, and maybe maybe Reggie was talking to Steve over the off season already and was like, you know, Steve made a really good case for just flooding your roster with as many people. Maybe double lift and bio stay and they just do what the team Liquid apparently is doing with all these uh, Immortals players. Um yeah, so Team Liquid's picking up reportedly uh, Xmithy, Poe Belter, Cody Sun, 
and Anda, who Anda was their sub-jungler. So that means at Team Liquid currently, at least in the jungle position, they have Dardoch, Xsmithy, and Anda, and Rainover. So they have four junglers. Why not? Xsmithy, Dardoch, and Rainover for the most part. Um, I don't mean, I don't really know much about Anda's ability because he didn't really ever play. Um, but those three could all easily have a starting position in the NLCS if they want. Um, in mid lane, they have Mickey, who they imported from Korea late into the season. And they have Poe Belter. And I believe they still have Golden Glue, but I'm not even totally sure if they have him <laughs> anymore. I don't. That's, and that's kind of the state of Team Liquid was like. They have so where, many people, we've lost track. Yeah, like where is this heading? Yep, and Piglet allegedly on his way out of the AD carry spot as well. So things are very much up in the air. We can't forget there's still a bunch of teams' rosters to fill at this point, which is why this hoarding of players by Team Liquid feels weird at this point because we have these new organizations like Hundred Thieves and the Warriors team and the Houston Rockets team that also oh, you're not even going to give staffs. them their names, man. No, no, you're totally just blowing over that. I don't. Well, see, Hundred Thieves, I can get behind the what is it, Clutch City Gaming, and whatever Golden Goose Golden, crap the Warriors came Golden up with. Guardians. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, po- or um, Piglet's on his way out apparently, and uh, I think that there's um, some people are thinking that Steve is just picking up these uh, contracts because they're expiring and like trying to make some money moves off of it and potentially resell them um, with like Poe Belter that's been floated. I don't think that's true. I think that you, if you Poe Belter's on the table, you try to get him because he's the best NA mid, the only NA mid that's <laughs> around. Um, yeah, I don't understand the strategy behind doing this because unless they're all totally fine with cashing those not playing and cashing those really fat disney checks i don't know i don't think you could be okay with being on team liquid if you're Xmithy and like say dardock is the starting jungler you were just at worlds you're on a team that has historically done not that hasn't achieved a world spot in a long time um, since they were cursed under Team Liquid, they've never been to Worlds. Yeah, why you, would you want to hang out there, especially with all these other organizations I mean, out there that's that the you thing can is jump that, like, to? We have these franchise. It's a franchise system, and like it's a whole new world for us. So like maybe people are like hedging their bets and thinking that it's just better to play in the league, get the money, and then transition after your career's done and you retire. Maybe the competitive dream isn't that for everyone. Um, anymore it's like not a realistic thing now it's just like show me the money yeah but and you got to imagine like these new organizations have to be paying some bank as well they are not light in the pockets i mean three yeah, I of mean, the four optic, of these are related to nba franchises exactly and optic has a team in every single major yep. esports so they're definitely not hurt for cash no they're they i think they, they have what the second spend. largest fan base depending on how you count it like between behind cloud nine right it's like cloud nine optic gaming and tsm depending on how you slice it so they had the highest even but, better but yeah even still it seemed like they could easily optic could have easily picked up poe belt eric smithy cody Sun. they could have picked up the entire immortals org um, and just and they would have all been fine. They would have all had that synergy again. They maybe you would have had Coach Song still, 
And then Optic has potentially a NALCS winning team and one that could probably go and compete at Worlds. Yep. I mean, Immortals did great, especially early on in the, in the spring split. Like, they were doing wonderful. Yeah, so it just seems weird that, I mean, they maybe Team Liquid's greater plans are yet to be revealed, but it seems like exactly, again, coming from our like world football backgrounds, who does that? Like, who wants to just go play for a team... Uh, who wants to like? I'm a big Arsenal fan. Like the Europa League team that we have right now. Like no, none of them really want to be doing that. <laughs> they're just none, doing none it because they're forced to. Or they want to be starting in the Premier League in regular domestic season play, and maybe they'll go take a a spot at a lesser club just to, to do be that. starting. Yep. Yeah that that is a that's more than anything. That's what these people want is to be competing. Yep. And, and in this case, Team Liquid. I don't know. Team Liquid is the lesser club. That's the that's the mind blowing thing yeah. here. It's not like the, they're riding the bench at TSM. Exactly. Where like you could reasonably make an argument for I don't know getting Double Lift, Biofrost, Sven, and Mithy. Like all of these like great Western players who have all dreamed of winning worlds. Like put them all in the same org. They work together to figure out oh like the best possible lineup, and they all support each other to do that. And they win worlds. That makes total sense because that team has the pedigree to do that. Yeah. But Team Liquid, Not it's like happen. it's like going to FlyQuest, and it's already like a stacked roster, and being like, okay, like what? Where do I fit into this? And we don't really have any sort of. Uh, we don't even know what this is at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know that I could. Na- I mean, there people are making an attempt to name a starting roster here, but like, who the hell knows? And if the rumors do play out and they end up taking the bot lane from TSM, it gets even more confusing. Yeah. So I, I don't, don't. I don't know. And then on top of all this, you mentioned it earlier. There's also other names that are just not directly tied to this drama that are also still out there. And where are they going to end up? Yeah, there's some really still big floaters out there with. Um, I mean, namely, given the fact that we just listed off Cody Sun, Poe Belter, and X Smithy, we're missing Ole and Flame, who I think were some of the best players at Worlds this year um, for Immortals and are just kind of like the hall- more hallmark names. Um, it's just weird to see that like Cody Sun got picked up or quote unquote picked up um, before Ollie, at least. Like, Ole is should be a hot commodity. Maybe he's already in talks and just not been reported. Um, probably the the deadline for this, or the, the well, it doesn't even technically kick off Tuesday. till Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure we're going to get a flood of flood of names um, then, but he's a big one that's in play. I'm sure he's going to get picked up on team um, flame. Like I just said, someday uh, from Dignitas should be like snatched pretty quickly. And then um, Lyra, um, another jungler that's in in the works for Envious, who's also like jungler or starting jungler slash coach, because I guess he just coached Envious um, by himself all summer split. Sure. So it's it's there's all these players are still up for grabs, and I think the thing there is that they're all import slots, yep. and it's hard to figure out how you create a lineup around them. Because if you're thinking about it, it's like why don't Ole, Flame, and Lyra, or Ole, Someday, and Lyra all just go, like, band together. They pick up, like, Ryu, and I don't know who could be their AD carry. Uh, Apollo. He was he was pretty solid. But it's like, that's four import slots right there. You right. can't really do that. No. So it's all about, for those guys, 
It's about identifying which two is the like biggest bang for your buck and then picking them and building around them. Um, we'll see. They're all going to get picked up for sure. It's just do where they, they where do they end up? Probably I, my guess would be at one of like the newer orgs. Um, There's enough maybe. pieces on the table right now that I feel like one of those new orgs could still put together a competitive chance of winning NALCS squad. Like until yeah, some of these moves are finalized. I'm looking at optic to do that. They just know, they know what to do in these, these teams. I mean, they, their entry into Dota two was they identified one of the biggest teams with like some of the most potential that had a lot of hype around them. And they, pick them up easy as that and i think that i think that optic success in every other game will translate here and they'll see that there's these pieces in play and they'll just take them any chance that hundred thieves or clutch city or the guardians go out and just throw bank around like they've got the money does someone test that water on a bigger contract like they just go over and they're like we'll just spend the money to get the best players we can and maybe optic gets squeezed out in that case because this is the first but, time we've really had to worry about this, right? Like, there's a lot more money potentially in these orgs than we're traditionally used to seeing. Yeah, and I think that there's a big thing is that 100 Thieves are reportedly picking up Prawley as their coach, which, I mean, sorry, EU fans, the Exodus is, like, really hitting you hard. <laughs> uh, but if 100 Thieves sees uh, Prawley, they pick him up as a head coach, Prawley can build a team. I have no doubt that he could do that in NA. Um, he's one of the best coaches we have in Western League of Legends. I think that they could definitely do that. With probably with money, could easily identify these the 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 winning parts of an NALCS team. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. We will definitely have to have you back on next week after the window officially opens on Tuesday, and we hopefully finalize some of these deals. There'll probably be some new details as some of these. Um, other names that are floating around land somewhere, and we get a better, bit better idea of what's going on with the plans um, at the four new squads. But Alex, as always, thank you so much for joining us and uh, making us sound like what we know what we're talking about when it comes to League of Legends. Where can folks find more of your stuff? Yeah, um, like always, you can find me at any of the Bleacher Report esports accounts. Um, that's br esports underscore on Twitter and br esports uh, on Instagram, and then you can find me at amags a m a g z z on pretty much any social network just follow the trail of tsm tears that's how you yeah. will find alex or tsm question marks we're not quite <laughs> well there'll be tears if it's actual news and uh my perfect little team of biofrost double lift sven bjergsen hanser is broken up the the band is no longer back together it's like the beatles man they're just gone and they're going Are... to team liquid <laughs> The worst way for it to end ever. Team Liquid is the uh, Yoko Ono of League of Legends. Oh, Ouch. man. Sorry. Too soon. Awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much. Whew. And that's it. That is a metric shit ton of esports right there. That is a show. Well, good show. Good that's show. Good show. And we've got more to come. Kevin Hitt's going to be back next week and talk to him about two more legend teams from the Boston Major. Uh, we're going to talk about the Capcom Cup. That's coming up December 18th and 19th in Anaheim during the PlayStation Experience. So all the uh, 
IDOM magic. We'll see how all that plays out for the Capcom Cup Finals. We've got more League of Legends roster news. A lot of that stuff will get finalized, hopefully, closer to next week. Jewel Scott will be back to talk about what's going on in the HGC. Got some more EU news, some Korean news, as well as what else is going on in NA. And Lord knows what else. Like, they're just not going to let us get to the holidays. It's like, Thanksgiving, we don't (laughs) care. We've got more esports for you. And, of course, you can check out all this content and more over on our social channels at Nerf This Crew on Twitter and Nerf This GG on Facebook and Instagram. You can, of course, subscribe to us on all our favorite or your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Overcast, Pocket Casts, RSS over on our website at nerfthis.gg. Like and subscribe. We appreciate that. We're not even a YouTube channel, but, you know, like us anyway. (laughs) I don't know. And the occasional review. It'd be nice to get some reviews on the new feed. Uh, especially with all the new people we're bringing on. Yes, uh, well, we know there's tons of you. The numbers tell Feedback. us there's lots of you. Like, <laughs> tell tell Seven how awesome he is. He likes to hear it. He gets a little. He gets a little. He's like Phase. He gets a little under the weather. He starts thinking bad about himself. Loses all positivity. I, I can't save you on this one. Like you saved me on the alcohol <laughs> one. Like, You're supposed to help me when I run astray. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. But it's the end of the show. That's when all the beer kicks in. That's <sighs> why so I just go silent. And let you talk about uh, you know. Our YouTube channel that doesn't exist. <laughs> Follow us for all that bonus content. There's no <laughs> bonus content at all, but there is beer for myself, for Seven, for this pumpkin spice cider that is clearly ruining the end of the show. We will see everybody next week for another episode of Morphless. <laughs> I don't know why I'm tipping my beer at my microphone. Just like, hey. I don't know either. Yeah. (laughs)